Welcome to Feed Your Health, a weekly podcast with your host Morgan Shepherd, where we'll be taking a deep dive into the big dial movers of health, focusing on movement, nutrition, and stress management. You'll get tangible takeaways, tactical knowledge, and exclusive stories to inspire and empower you on your transformational health journey. Let's get thriving. Welcome to the podcast. So today we're going to be talking about finding balance in a busy world and learning to slow down prioritize what matters, and develop lifestyle habits that can get you losing weight, gaining energy, and feeling confident in your skin. And I'm super excited to announce that I have a guest speaker today, Lisa English. So Lisa, for my listeners, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks for having me on, Morgan. I'm excited to be here. I am a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, a Certified Nutrition Coach, Certified Integrative Health Practitioner, (laughs) and I used to do personal training. So I started off in the personal training space. 49 years old, so I've been at this for quite some time and learned lots of things and continue to learn, especially when it comes to finding balance. And so I work mostly with women 35 and up, but I would say the majority of my clients are midlife, so 40s and up even. Yeah. Nice. So what is the main thing that you do with your clients? Like how do you coach them through this process of like finding balance? What do most people come to you with? So most women come to me because they want to lose weight. And of course, they want to have more energy, uh, better libido, those types of things. But the primary thing that they usually come asking for is how to lose weight. And I think that a lot of women are struggling with being able to achieve those goals because they maybe haven't figured out how to balance things in their life a little bit. So I try to work with them on nutrition, exercise, and overall lifestyle in general. So sleep and stress and um, making these changes happen in real life, in their real busy lives while they're juggling their marriage, their kids, their jobs, you know, all the activities, all the things. As it happens. Yeah, that's so important because I feel like that's one of the biggest challenges that we have. We're trying to do this thing while also living. Like we can't stop living right? in order to lose weight. It's it's part of the journey. And so often we have this like mental separation of like, okay, I'm going to do all these things on this list. And then life happens and the next day or, you know, whatever you spent the last month and you didn't do any of the things you said you were going to do. How do you work with someone so that they can navigate those hurdles? For example, like if they have family responsibilities and those get in the way of their fitness or their nutrition like priorities. Yeah. What would you tell to a client that was trying to figure out how to incorporate these things into their life, but they literally didn't have any time because they were spending it all working or with family and navigating that? Well, I think, first of all, one of the things I do try to work with my clients on is maybe some mindset shifts around what it looks like to prioritize yourself and self-care, because I think sometimes the message that women might hear or the way they may interpret that message is that they have to choose or they feel that they have to choose between themselves and everybody else. And that's just not practical and it's not true. So really looking for some micro opportunities within their life, within each day and in their week, where they can implement some simple strategies, but they might not feel easy at first because it's not automatic yet. So, you know, how do they prioritize more protein with what they're already eating? You know, how do they get more vegetables in their meals and also make it family friendly? Where do they find some time for exercise, you know, and looking at how are they utilizing their time? So I think that's the first shift is how they're thinking. I love that because it's very additive. Yeah. You know, rather than taking things out of the process, you're like, okay, how can we add in a little bit of this and a little bit of that? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, sometimes we do have to figure out what things can go and we do have those conversations like, okay, you know, I believe that in everything in life, there are choices and there are trade-offs. 
we can call them sacrifices, whatever you want. And we just have to be really willing to get clear and honest on what trade-offs we are and are not willing to make in order to get what we want. Sometimes we might find ourselves in seasons of life where we'd like to make certain trade-offs, but maybe we can't right now. But what are some of the other things that we can do? So shifting that focus um, to what you can control and focusing on that and not worrying about being perfect with everything right away because we're never going to be perfect. Oh, but that's a problem that I have. And a lot of my clients, perfectionism is... <laughs> I'm always overcoming perfectionism myself. I mean, I am, the, I'm, I am my clients that I work with. I have some of the same struggles I've worked through and still work through some of the same mindset issues, you know, depending on what their backstories are when they come to me. You know, we look at all of those things because we all have these stories in the background that we're telling ourselves. And sometimes we might have to either reframe those or question if they're true or not. I think it's interesting when I'm coaching women, I, I tell them, you know, we're going to work on mindset but I don't necessarily know that they get what that means until it happens, until they start to make those shifts. And sometimes they might not recognize that they're making those shifts until we're having a coaching call and I'll reflect back to them, oh, it sounds like this, or how is that different than what you would have done a month ago or two years ago? And they're able to sort of see, oh yeah, I'm thinking differently, which then makes Action's a little different. Yeah, that process of reflection allows you to like see your truth in a new way. Yes. I do that a lot with my clients as well. And you phrase it in a way where it shows them not, it's not judgmental mm -hmm. or evaluative. It's just very like, this is what you said you did. Here it is. And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah. It's like holding up a mirror for somebody to be able to see. And we all need people to hold up a mirror for us. Um, sometimes we can do it for ourselves, but I think having a coach, I have had lots of coaches, a therapist can, can do that too. I mean, coaching and therapy aren't the same thing, but, you know, working with other people on our journeys to, who can support us in getting a little bit further down the path that we're trying to go on can be really helpful. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your personal story with dealing with finding balance and how you had to learn to slow down and take care of yourself first. Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. So I've always been a super driven type A goal oriented personality. So accomplish one goal, check it off the list. And instead of like standing on top of that mountain and celebrating for a little while, I'm like, okay, now what do I do, need to do next? <laughs> and that's just my nature. So I'm always having to sort of work with that. And I would say probably a few different times in my life, but I'll go with the most recent because, you know, my target audience is midlife women. And in my 40s, I'm 49. So in my mid 40s, I pretty much got to complete burnout crash and burn, full on adrenal fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction, whatever you want to call it. Uh, cortisol levels, just terrible. And a lot of hormonal imbalances to the point where my hair was falling out. I had no energy. My gut health was a complete mess. I literally looked three or four months pregnant <laughs> at any given time and was just bloated and uncomfortable. And also a lot of just, you know, anxiety and even some depression, like mood swings. So I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And for a minute there, maybe longer than a minute, I kept trying to do my way out of it. So maybe I need to do this type of exercise, or maybe I need to do this program, or maybe I need to cut my carbs, or maybe I need to cut my calories, or maybe I need to reverse diet. And what I realized is that my body just needed time to heal at that point because it was not, there was no diet or exercise program alone in, in that, at that point that was going to help. <laughs> I, my body had been screaming at me for a little while, but I wasn't paying attention or maybe I just didn't know what it was trying to tell me until 
I had no choice but to slow down. So that was really hard for me. It was a very frustrating point. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I'm a very type A type person as well. And I know like there are days where if I keep going and going and going, if I don't take those breaks and if I don't stop my work day, I'm going to burn out. Like I'm going to crash. I'm going to burn out later. And I can tell I'm so aware of my body. I can tell when like it starts to happen. And I know sometimes like we're not always able to slow down because our jobs don't allow us to. And then we have other responsibilities. But like the first step is being aware of the fact that you need to slow down. And that's often the hardest step. Oh, for sure. It is hard. And at the time, I was working in a corporate job that was very like go, 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 hustle culture, high pressure, and like being micromanaged, all those things. And although this was a good step, it maybe wasn't the uh, best step. Well, I'll say this. It I didn't know what I needed yet. I just knew, like, I can't keep feeling like this. And so I just basically said, I'm going to the gym on my lunch break. <laughs> I'm not going out to lunch with anybody. I'm not, don't ask me to have a, you know, lunch meeting every week or whatever. Like, I, I talked to my manager and said, here's what I'm planning to do. There was a gym really close by. So, and they were fine with that. Like nobody gave me any flack and I didn't even ask permission. Maybe I would have had I been younger, but at that point I was like, this is what I'm going to do. It's my lunch break and this is how I'm going to spend it. I love that. <laughs> so if you need me, I'll have my phone with me. You can contact me, but I'll be working out. And so I did do that for myself, which I think helped because it helped me to reset in the middle of the day to come back and just do more of the grind. But at that point, I was already probably really in adrenal distress. <laughs> and um, I was frustrated because I'm like, why am I so tired? Why can't I work out the way that I used to? And it wasn't, my workouts didn't feel the same and I didn't get the same amount of relief from them. And I definitely wasn't seeing progress like I normally would when I would be consistent with training. So it was a good first step for me to recognize. What was the thing that like took you from where you were then to where you are now? Ah, well, I think a few steps. First of all, now I, I did something, I guess, kind of drastic that I know some people might think, well, that's easy for you to say, but it wasn't necessarily easy for me to do. I made the decision that I was not going to be able to stay in that job. It was literally killing me. And also it wasn't that fulfilling. So <laughs> there's that. I definitely, you know, had to stay there until I found another position that was a better fit. And that was one thing that I did. But in the meantime, I still had to take some steps. So I started prioritizing my sleep. I went to a functional medicine doctor to get some testing done to figure out like what was going on at the root cause level and just started to really pay attention to what I actually needed. And it was a struggle for a while because I was having to juggle this job that was draining me and trying to improve my health. And it felt like an uphill battle. So I think getting out of that position and, and moving on to something else that then allowed me to feel like I had a little bit more um, autonomy, so to speak, to focus on myself was helpful. But I started the process while I was in the middle of the chaos. So I think that's a huge important thing that I want to point out. I didn't wait until my life was perfect because who I didn't know when I was going to be able to leave or get another job. And so I just, I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. So I started doing things to reduce my stress as much as I could. I put boundaries in place. You know, I basically said, I'm coming in at this time. I'm taking my lunch break to go to the gym and I'm going to leave it this time. And I'm going to work really hard while I'm here and then I'm done. Yep. I'm not going to be the person that is walking around with this metaphorical metal around my neck for how many hours I put in sitting in front of the computer all day long and acting like that's life's purpose. No, you know, <laughs> for me, it, it was scary to put some boundaries in place because I didn't know how that was going to be received. But what I learned is that if we don't, when we can, or at least try to put boundaries in place, if we don't attempt to, then 
our boundaries aren't going to exist because other people are going, they're going to have their own agenda, whether it's our employers, our families, our friends, whoever. So I started putting boundaries around my time and my energy and then doing things that I could that would fill me up, whether that meant going to the gym, taking a walk, eating better, and then one thing led to another. So it was, it was definitely a process and it's taken me three years at least to get my cortisol levels to a normal level. That's the amount of <laughs> distress that my body was under and the amount of time that it took of me being really consistent and patient and practicing some self-compassion along with also being really pissed and frustrated. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Which didn't serve me well, but that was part of my process too. I was pissed off at my body and I was frustrated and I was angry and I had to work through that because what I see now so clearly is that I was really working against my whole process for part of the time because I was so angry at my body. <laughs> I see that a lot with clients that are struggling with their bodies and they know what they want. They know where they want to be, but the process just takes so long and there's always hurdles that come up and there's always things that get in the way mm -hmm. and they just get so wrapped up in this negative thought spiral of like, I'm never going to get there and this is too hard and I just, you know, they want to give up. Oh, that was me. How did you, like, I know you mentioned self-compassion, and I also agree that that is absolutely necessary. But some people, like, how do you teach that? <laughs> because a lot of people don't have it right now. I didn't have it. I'm still learning it. Um, so for a long, you know, that might be part of the reason that it took me three years, <laughs> or it maybe was just going to take that long. But I'll be honest, like, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. And, um, I did start going to therapy because I recognized like, I need all of the support that I can get right now. And that was probably one of the ways, just the act of doing that, you know, finding a therapist and setting those appointments for myself and showing up is, is that is an act of self-compassion, but she really did help me to work through how to be more compassionate. And, you know, she even said, like, I want you to start because, you know, we're all on social media these days and we create our own algorithms, yeah. so to speak. Everybody's always talking about the algorithm. But when we look at our feeds on Instagram or wherever, we've curated that by the people we've chosen to follow, by the people that we comment on their posts and the algorithm is then going to feed you more of that. So being in the health and wellness and fitness and nutrition industry, like that's a lot of what I was following, which that's fine. But she's like, I want you to start seeking out other inputs. Follow some puppies. I want you to look for people who are talking about body positivity and self-compassion and self-care and mental health. And so I started expanding on, I guess, the information that I was taking in. And I know it sounds crazy because there, but I do believe that our brains are, you know, wired to take in that information. And the more that we feed them positive information. Well, yeah, the more that you surround yourself with a subject or a topic or a type of person, the more that you're, you're going to start being like that. It does start to have an influence. Yeah, you start to think about things differently. And so it really helped me with reducing the amount of negative self-talk that I had. And that little ugly voice that was telling myself in the mirror how fat or disgusting or whatever, like horrible things. When my body was like, basically, I'm like, would you say that to your worst enemy? No. Would you say that to a little baby or a child or a puppy, you know? And, and the sad truth is that I wouldn't. And so I had to start treating myself, my whole person, not just my body, but with so much more love and compassion and kindness and giving myself what I'd give to other people, you know, as a friend or as a coach, as a partner. So. Yep. It's, it's hard, but we got to do it. It is hard. And I, I would be lying if I said that I have that mastered. You know, I don't. I still have <laughs> those days where, Same. Um, you know, I think it's definitely so much less, though. I would say that I operate a lot more in the space of self-compassion than 
I used to. And I think I operate in that space more often than not. And when I have moments where I might find myself going into that negative self-talk, I try to figure out, well, what triggered that? Yep. Paying attention to your triggers. And what do I need? Like, what do I really need? Where is this anger coming from? Or where is this whatever? And, and who's whose voice is that? So that's getting a little bit more into like the therapy side of things and whatnot. But um, I think all of us need to be able to take a step back. And sometimes what we want and what we need are two different things. Yep. And, and sometimes we have to start with what we need in order to get what we want. And that's pretty much what my journey has been like over the last several years. And if I look back across all the different things, you know, lessons, hardships, whatever I've gone through in my life, it's probably the case in every situation. But in this particular one, I had to give my body what it needed before it was going to give me what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. So my goals had to shift, you know, and that was not easy because I wanted body transformation and I wanted to get to, to build muscle and to get stronger and to set PRs in the gym and boundless energy and all these things and trying to punish myself with restrictive diets or crazy workouts, skimping on sleep, and then the negative self-talk chiming in in the background and, and not managing my stress was preventing me from having any of that. Yep. How often do you encounter clients who are going through that same struggle of knowing that they need to put themselves first and give their body what they need and yet they want weight loss or they want muscle and they have to reorient their direction? I would say almost every single client that I work with in some capacity, at some level. There might be some people out there that that's not the case, but for the women that I am working with and when I think about the clients that I have now, probably all of them are having to rethink how they do things and what they want and how long it's going to take. So it, it's definitely a lot of mindset work. And I have amazing clients. I mean, they, they are willing to get in there and, and do the work. And it's so much fun to see the changes start to happen and for them to start seeing those changes and seeing those things as besides the scale, you know, a win. I had a client who we were scheduled for a check-in call. She's a teacher and a mom of teenagers and, you know, doing all the things. She's also in grad school right now, taking some pretty tough classes. And yeah. she was like, you know what? I need to take care of me right now. And that means I need to miss our call because I have to go meet with my class. <laughs> and I mean, we rescheduled it, but I was like, yes, yes. I love that she was just unapologetic and was able to say, this is what I need right now. There's a trade-off involved in this. I have to trade this check-in call right now for this other thing that I need to take care of. And then I'm going to come back and check in with you like later this week. It's little things like that that people don't recognize are really big wins in my book because she's able to see what she needs and then do that. Yep. And then do that. Yeah. I was literally talking about that this morning on a live where I was talking about how, so I teach something called awareness checks, which is basically you're tuning into your body at regular intervals throughout the day, paying attention to like emotions and stress, energy and hunger. And right. it allows you to figure out where you're not meeting certain needs, you know? So if you're, if you've had a super draining day, and then you have to go run errands and then you come home and you have to cook food or your friends say, hey, I want to go hang out. You have to look at your energy and be like, I can't do that because if I go hang out with you tonight, I'm not going to have the energy to get up in the morning and do the workout that I wanted to do. Right. I know for me, I'm sort of an introvert, but I, I pretend that I'm an extrovert. <laughs> but it means that like in situations like this, this recording... I'm going to be tired after because I'm going to be drained because I had to be social for an hour. Yeah. So teaching clients how to figure out what their levels are and then navigating that after so that then they can make the best choice for themselves is essentially similar to what you were talking about with that client. She chose, I know that I need this and I'm going to do that instead of this other thing. 
Absolutely. And you know, when I'm coaching my clients, I, I'm not coaching them through things or even suggesting or asking them to do things that I'm not doing myself or haven't done myself. And I think that we have to remember that this is just my opinion, especially at 49, you know, like I don't have time to be messing around with people that are energy vampires. I just, if, if that's the way it's going to work, you're gone. Like I don't have time for it. Same. And I started that process probably in my thirties. I started figuring that out. My close friends, the ones who are like my rocks and my tribe, we are all okay with if somebody just needs to say, I'm sorry, I can't make it like, okay. And I just had to, you know, to do that this past week myself. One of my really good friends was in town from California. She has uh, published her first book on co-parenting. It's called, it's not about us. And, um, she, you know, I love her to death and she was in town. And so we had, there were several events and things going on. And I went to a dinner, with her and another friend on a Wednesday night. And then I was going to try to go to another function on that Friday night. And then her book signing was on Saturday and Friday got her, got here. And I was just like, I am so sorry. I can't, I can't do it. Like I literally can't even get off the couch. And you know what? She's like, it's okay. Take care of you. There was no feeling guilty about it. It was like, okay, I'm going to recharge. And then I showed up at that book signing on Saturday, pumped and ready to support her. And I know that she would do the same thing for me. And I think it's important that we surround ourselves with people who can support us. Honor that. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it's, you have to give yourself permission to do that. The way you talk about surrounding yourself with people who also honor that and support that because they're doing it themselves. So like, you know, we do it for ourselves and then we could teach our clients or coach our clients through that, doing it for themselves. Yeah. But there are so many people I know that they don't feel like they deserve that or that they're allowed to do that or that they have, you know, the ability to be like, hey, I'm going to set some boundaries. I actually, honestly, I really respect people who set boundaries because that tells me that you know what you need and you're like, okay, well... I have time for you on this day and this day, and I can't mm -hmm. see you at any other time because I'm going to be on the couch. Right. And I do think probably one of the things that I struggle or I've struggled with myself and that a lot, most of my clients struggle with is prioritizing themselves and setting some boundaries, especially if they are moms and they work and they have, you know, their partner and the kids and their community and the church and like all the different things. And they will tell me, like they know it about themselves. I have a really hard time saying no. I obligate myself to all these things. I say yes. And in the moment, I mean, I think it sounds like a good idea, but then I've overscheduled myself and then I'm stressed out about it. So they, they recognize there's this pattern of people pleasing basically, or saying yes to everything, but they keep doing it. And so I think you know, we all have to figure out like, what are our blind spots and how do we sort of rewire some of these, make some shifts with some of these patterns that might not be serving us so well. And no is a complete sentence. <laughs> Love it. For sure. For anybody listening, if in case you weren't aware, I used to be an English teacher. No, period. <laughs> or no exclamation point. <laughs> complete sentence. Nice. So, so. This process of developing self-compassion and setting boundaries yeah. is all part of developing balance. What would you say are some of your non-negotiables mm -hmm. as far as your own health or that you, I mean, obviously every client is going to have their own non-negotiables, but what are some things that you really think that everybody should be doing or including in life? Well, number one, sleep. And I know it sounds crazy because they're like, well, duh, but so many people don't get enough sleep and six hours of sleep is not enough. <laughs> nope. It's really not. And I mean, if that's the best you can do, if that's an improvement over four hours, that's great. I'm not saying like you have to get eight hours of sleep every night, but on average, adults need seven to nine hours of sleep. And I think also with the challenge as we head into midlife and our hormones begin to fluctuate, sleep becomes even more of an issue because it can become disrupted. So it's not just the number of hours with actual quality of sleep. So, and that has been one of the biggest things, I would say sleep and stress management for me, 
that helped me to heal from the adrenal fatigue that, I mean, it had to happen. Like there was no, like I had to, I had to parent myself. I had to have a bedtime. <laughs> I had to get off my devices. I had to be in bed by a certain time and start to like regiment. So I would say sleep is a non-negotiable getting to bed. For me, that means ideally by 1030 at the latest. I shouldn't say anything. I go to bed at like 830 or nine. That's awesome. <laughs> But I get up at like five or six. So, you know. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not an early, early bird, like five or six in the morning to me makes me cringe. <laughs> I want to be able to do that, but I, it doesn't seem to ever happen. So I'm like, okay, as long as I'm able to set my schedule up and, and have a consistent bedtime and wake up time for the most part, people would be amazed if they did that one thing, how much better they would feel because that affects everything else. It affects your energy, your hunger, your cravings, your ability to function cognitively and your motivation to then do the other things. So yep. for my health, I say sleep, daily walks outside, preferably strength training at least three times a week. And, you know, sometimes I'm not perfect with that, but I guess the one rule that I have for myself is that I have to move my body every day. Yes. So if I'm really low on energy and I just can't muster up a strength workout, then I'll at least go for a walk. The other non-negotiable for me is a really good amount of protein. So protein with every meal, really prioritizing my protein intake. It helps with so many different things. It's not just about body composition. I mean, it does help with that, but just in terms of preserving bone, muscle, like all that, the strength training and the protein intake kind of go together. But I have a lot more energy when I fuel myself appropriately with the right foods, with the right amount of protein. Oh, yeah. I noticed that when I started eating enough protein, I felt really tired for a number of years. And then like I changed how I was eating. And I was really good about tracking how much protein I was eating. And my energy was just I had so much more energy like and I felt I didn't have any cravings throughout the day. I didn't have like random tiredness. So I totally agree with that one as well. Yeah, I would say stress management and self-compassion are on my list as non-negotiable things that I have to be doing to take care of myself. And those are also the two that are the hardest. It's pretty easy and automatic that I'm going to get my steps in. I'm going to go get my walk. I enjoy it. When I was younger, I thought, oh, what a waste of time if I'm not grinding it out in the gym. And now like my walks are my sanity. It's like a form of meditation almost for me. So walking, getting my workouts in, as long as I have enough sleep and energy, you know, all of that, I've kind of got dialed in and I do fairly well for the most part in those other two areas. But that's always, you know, we all have that thing that is going to be a little harder than, than the other. And for me, keeping my stress in check and making sure I'm operating in a space of self-compassion versus being critical all the time. What would you say are some of your top stress management strategies? Well, for me, um, movement has always been that way. So walking for me really is, <laughs> I think, sleep. But then the other thing, it's interesting. I also know that if I don't have enough connection in my life, yeah, I think over the last, you know, couple of years, two or three years or whatever, for very, for various reasons, human, human connection suffered a bit. And then I think we've all gotten into our little cocoons. And so even though yep. people are getting out and doing a lot more socializing, I do find that even for myself, I think we've gotten lazy about actual human connection, right? Like, oh, you mean I have to wash my hair and put on real clothes and leave my house? <laughs> For sure. Real clothes, not real clothes. <laughs> but whenever I make time to, you know, just get together with my friends, my girlfriends, especially that, you know, because everybody's busy. So when we do get together and we just, we laugh and talk about whatever, and there's no agenda and that fills me up, but I'm more of an extrovert. So it's not, it's not too much of it can be draining, as I've gotten older, which is kind of funny, but in general, like if I go too long, my boyfriend will be like, um, do you need to go see your friends? <laughs> I'm like, oh, am I, being, am I being a bitch? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Are you okay? No, I feel the same way if I don't see people. 
Yeah. We've gotten so used to connecting, which thank God for ways like this to connect and interact with people and be able to expand our circles. Yes. But at the same time, like we do need some actual face-to-face human connection where we're not tied to our phones. There's something to be said about being in the same room with another human, like having your energies be in the same room and like hugs and just (laughs) that kind of connection versus Zoom. A hundred percent. Yes. And all of my friends are huggers. Like it's the first thing that we do when we see each other. We don't care where we are. Everyone around probably thinks, what are these people doing? Have they not seen each other in a thousand years? And we maybe saw each other last week, but it's like, oh my God, hi. You know, so I would say on a day-to-day basis, my biggest for me stress management tool is my walk walking. It's a time for me to also because I do it outside help is helpful to be in nature, but it's a time for me to zone out. And sometimes I like to listen to podcasts and books. That was gonna be my question. If you listen to things or do you do it in silence? I do. I usually do. I usually I usually will listen to podcasts or uh, maybe an audible book or something like that. That seems to be the best time for me to be able to do to do those things. But I also, have you ever been listening to something or reading a book even, and then your mind wanders and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I have to rewind that or I have to flip back a page because I don't really know what I just listened to. I missed an entire chapter. <laughs> yes. A little tip that my therapist um, told me was that, because she's a runner and she said, your brain needs a break. Basically, she didn't, she said it way more eloquently than that. And so it was like, okay, that is when it's time to turn the podcast off and just continue your walk without anything. And so I do that too. But most of the time I have, you know, I was always the kid that needed to be entertained, according to my mom. <laughs> so nice. uh, definitely do enjoy listening to podcasts and I'm a constant seeker of knowledge and I'm always wanting to learn so in a way, it is relaxing for me. Same. I did go over the weekend. We went, um, my boyfriend and I went on a hike, like in a wooded area at a place really close by, actually, this in this park. The leaves are still really pretty right now on the trees. They haven't all fallen off. They're about ready to. And so it was a beautiful day. I didn't need a jacket. Sun was out. And we were just walking through all the trees and there's rocks and just complete nature. And it felt so good. I need it because I I live more in a neighborhood and sometimes even on my walks, I'm like, why are there cars driving by interrupting my walk? I don't want to hear any noise. I don't want to hear any honking. I don't want to hear any engines revving. I don't want to hear kids screaming that are just being kids and playing. I don't want to hear dogs barking. I want silence. And so that's when I know that my nervous system really needs to be regulated. I live in a city, Los Angeles, and yeah, I can feel the same way. Okay. There's always some kind of noise happening. <laughs> yes. But yeah. And a lot of times we, be, we get used to it. So it's just sort of this background noise that we don't pay attention to. But there are days where I'm like really sensitive to it. And it is very irritating <laughs> when I'm walking and I'm like, how, how dare you drive down the street making noise with your car? It's the lawnmowers for me or like the leaf blowers. Oh, the lawn and the leaf blowers. Yes, yes. Like, do you have to do that right now? Right now? Really? Don't you know what my schedule is? Can you do this when I'm not outside walking? (laughs) So these are all really great techniques or strategies. Things we should be doing. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, when you're working with clients, where do you encounter the most resistance? And then how do you help them overcome that? Mm. Well, I think probably the way that I interpret that question, where I bump up against the most resistance with my clients is, especially the people that I'm working with, we've been ingrained in diet culture for decades. And we are being marketed to, everyone is, but women 40 and up are being heavily marketed to right now. It's like the new group to target with this diet and that diet and this supplement and this whatever. And I just had this conversation with some, some of my clients this week. And I'm like, we, we can't treat our fitness, our health, our weight loss goals, like a 30 day challenge or an eight week plan. 
for a 12-week program. That's not how it works. If you really want long-term sustainable results to feel good, to be able to lose the weight, to be healthy, and to keep it off and stay that way, that we have to take our time. Yep. I empathize with the resistance that pops up for them when they see, you know, Sally, the neighbor who's doing whatever and has already lost 20 pounds in eight weeks. But I'm like, but how many times has Sally, the neighbor, done an eight week thing and lost 20 pounds and then gained it back and some? So it's helping them to remember why they came to work with me in the first place. We're not here for a quick fix. We are really trying to, and, and you know, what's the rush? When you're in it, it feels like a it feels like there's this huge sense of urgency because we just want to get to where we want to be and we want to feel better. And I felt that. I, I'm human too. I get the impatience, but that's probably the biggest uh, resistance is being too focused on an outcome versus focusing on the process and letting those results come yep. and knowing that we can pivot. I'm not saying don't, don't ever change course if what we're doing isn't working, but we do need to give it a good amount of time. If you can lean into that a little bit more, it's a, it makes it a little more, a little more pleasant, yeah. <laughs> the journey, so to speak. I also think the way you say that if we accept how long it will take, you know, I want to put on a bunch of muscle and I want to get really strong, but I've have it, mm -hmm. I've had to pivot numerous times and I'm also trying to build my business. So it's not really the season to be focusing on that, but I know that it's going to take a couple of years to get where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And by accepting that, I'm releasing myself of the pressure to get it done now. Yeah. I can show up in a way I need to show up and be like, if I get to two workouts this week, that's perfect. Right. If I make it to four, amazing. But I don't have time, really. So I'm going to be compassionate and celebrate what I can do rather than trying to force it into a 12-week program. Well, and I love that word acceptance. And what I just heard you say is that number one, you're throwing in the self-compassion and you're making some trade-offs because it's really difficult to build a business and your dream body at the same time. And I'm in the same boat, you know, I am in maintenance mode right now. I'm like, I'm just trying to keep up. <laughs> I would love to get stronger, build more muscle, get leaner, do, you know, I'm always wanting to do something, but I also want to have a life and my sanity and I'm trying to build a business and I want to serve other women who are struggling to find balance, to get to their goals and to do it in a way that makes sense for them. The trade-off is that my body can't be my project right now. <laughs> I have bigger projects. Yep. And that's okay. Much bigger. And that's why you're on my podcast. Yeah. Perfect. Since the holidays are coming up, it's always a stressful time for people. And I know we were just talking about how sometimes you can't make your body your project right now. But tell me why starting coaching during the holidays is actually a good thing. Yeah, I love this. So first of all, I think the holidays come with busy schedules. It can feel chaotic, stress, all the things. So having support during that time if you're going to have support, like why not do it during maybe one of the most challenging seasons and your goal during the holidays does not have to be, I'm going to lose weight in 12 weeks. It doesn't have to be that at all. It can literally be setting up some foundations, some foundational habits to help you navigate the holidays in a healthier way, physically, mentally, emotionally, and build on those. Because if you can I feel like if, you know, just like we talked about, there's no perfect time to start. Everybody is thinking, oh, I'll do it when life calms down, but life doesn't calm down. It's always lifey. I think if we can, if we can trust ourselves and learn to start implementing some habits, even during the holidays, well, we can A, maybe offset <laughs> what might happen. Like we don't have to go into January being eight to 10 pounds heavier or five pounds heavier necessarily, but we also, if we can do it now, then just think how much easier it is when it's not quite as chaotic. The problem is that you've got this side of the family and that side of the family and this work thing and this friend thing. So it's like, everybody's like, there's 10,000 celebrations. People like to have parties all the time. But I think we can also take a moment during the holidays to look at, but how does that mimic the rest of the year? Because we think 
Now, while it might be a little more elevated during the holidays, I mean, there's literally holidays sprinkled throughout the year and then everybody has birthdays and then we've got spring break and we've got summer vacation. And you know, so it's always going to be something. And literally last week, like I had four different social engagements in one week, which is not the norm for me. And one of them I had to gracefully bow out of learning to set boundaries, knowing, you know, that you can do a little bit of something and you don't have to be perfect prioritizing your protein, getting out for walks. Those are things that you can do any time of the year. You don't have to wait until after the holidays to start doing that stuff. It's a great opportunity to challenge our mindset and to work on the mindset of, of things. You know, how do we approach social gatherings? And just because the wine is there doesn't mean that you have to drink it every single time or at all if you don't want to. You know, can you practice making some trade-offs? I love it. You said that so well. <laughs> I think a lot of times it's that we have all these social events that involve food. And so our gut reaction is to be like, oh my God, that's going to be a stressful event. Rather than trusting ourselves to be able to be confident and know, okay, I, I know how much protein I need. I know how to make a balanced plate. I can go to a social event and have a little bit of the things that I like, but I don't have to go overboard and have that confidence while you're there. I think so often we're just like, oh, I can't do it. Right. And we throw our hands up in the air. Yeah, that's 100%. I mean, I think we have these stories in our heads about what it means to holiday. And often the story is a lot more stressful than the actual event. I went to, like I said, last this past week, I had dinner with my friends and they had wine. I didn't have any. I didn't feel like I was missing out. I chose not to. It wasn't because like I'm not allowed. I didn't tell myself I'm not allowed to have it. I just was like, I'm not going to. I don't want it. I went to a birthday dinner. Actually, it wasn't even a dinner. It was a happy hour before the dinner because I had another engagement to go to after that. So I went to a bar, basically, and I didn't drink anything. I just enjoyed the company of my friends. And so this is something I've been teaching and coaching people on for over a decade is to maybe rethink how they approach these situations and what's the story that you tell yourself. Who said that you have to drink wine on wine night or on the book club night or on bunko night or whatever it is, you know, like just because it's a a part of the ritual, so to speak, it doesn't mean that you have to do it. Like you can still, you can make, you have choices that you can make. And we're not talking about the choice being good or bad. That's not what this is. It's about what serves you and your goals. Sometimes it's drinking the wine and sometimes it's not. Yep. In the same way that like if you go to the family gathering and there's a buffet, you don't have to fill your plate with everybody's dish. Grandma's not going to be mad at you if you don't eat her pie. I mean, she might be, but like you can explain to her why she shouldn't be. (laughs) That's right. Well, and I do think that's a good, this might be a tangent, but at the holidays especially, we can run into food pushers is what I call them. And we can also bump up against people who, and this can happen at any time, whether it's the holidays or not, who will say, well, come on, just one cookie isn't going to hurt. One piece of cake isn't going to hurt. And I think people feel sometimes like they just don't want to have to put up with the comments that might get made. They don't want to have to deal with it. And so I do try to coach people around that as well, because again, you know, we are adults and we can set boundaries and no is a complete sentence and you don't have to give an explanation to anybody. But I've literally said, I can have whatever I want, whenever I want, I'm choosing not to. That will shut a conversation like that down pretty quickly, usually, or just no, thank you is a complete sentence, you know? So I get it. Sometimes it's tricky, especially with family gatherings and People maybe making comments if you're trying to make some changes that, and other people aren't trying to make the same changes. Maybe they feel jealous, jealous or guilty or bad that they are not on the same path. And that, you know, it's not a comparison thing, but I do think it's important to realize that we always have a choice, always. And the sooner that we own that power to choose, and step into our power to be responsible for our actions and our choices and our decisions and to own them 100% without apology, the better equipped we are to have what we want. You said that so beautifully. Love it. Yeah. And I think that really plays into 
building balance within your life of you take autonomy for what you choose to do and response self-responsibility of okay I'm going to have the wine or not have the wine I'm going to fill my plate or not fill my plate because ultimately I know what I want and I know that if I stick with this process I can get there yeah glad we're on the same page (laughs) I know it's great it's great so I love to ask all my podcast guests, and you've sort of covered this a little bit, but we'll ask it again anyways. What are the top three things that you're doing to feed your health right now? Sleep. (laughs) Whole foods with an emphasis on quality protein at every meal. If I have to make it only three, I'm going to say daily movement. So that would be my walks and my weights. Those, I mean, there's more, of course, but those are the three main things that I'm really focusing in on being super consistent with right now so that I can maintain. Love that. Where can people find you? So I'm on Instagram at Beyond Fitness with Lisa. And um, I'm on Facebook, Lisa English, if you want to follow me on Facebook. Awesome. I'll link that. Those are the two main places you can... If you want to connect with me personally, just send me a DM through Instagram. I have plans to do a website and all of that, but I just haven't gotten there yet. Nice. And what are the main services that you offer right now? I'm doing one-to-one coaching for women, and that means that we can kind of customize a little bit what that looks like. But most women that come to me are looking for help with nutrition fitness, and other lifestyle things. So most of my clients, we are working together on their nutrition and figuring out like what, how much protein they need to eat, for example, and how to do that. And then I do provide workouts for my clients. Well, this has been really fun. I hope you enjoyed our little spiel. It has been fun. I did. Any final comments for my podcast listeners? No, I think, I think we've covered everything. I just encourage everyone and especially women, since that's my target demographic to make time for themselves and find a way to support the goals that you have for yourself, whether that's a friend, community group, hiring a coach, whatever it looks like for you, take some small step each day. And I I do personally think that Just from my experience, and I'm not saying this because I am a coach, because I've been coached before becoming a coach. And I will say that working with coaches has fast-tracked the progress that I've made on every goal that I've ever set for myself, whether it be health and fitness, same, my actual, you know, internal health, gut health, business, it doesn't matter. That's probably just food for thought. And we actually met through our business coach, so. We did, we did. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you. This is Later Morgan coming in with the outro. Apologies for my cold sounding voice. I'm dying. Well, thanks so much for listening today. I hope some of what I, some of what we discussed provided value and that you enjoyed listening to this guest's podcast. As always, thank you so, so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, share it with a friend and check out all of Lisa's links in the show notes and I will talk to you next week. Ciao.